Every season is spooky season in our book. So settle in and prepare to be shook. You are listening to Shook, a comedic podcast about all things paranormal and unexplained. I'm Santa. Hey, Santa. I'm Amanda. And fun fact... We have a special episode for you all today. It's going to be more of a collaboration than a her story and her story situation. Because guess what? We went to the Bell Witch Cave in Adams, Tennessee for Santa's birthday. Yeah. Finally went to Bell Witch. um, We've been talking about forever. We've been telling you to stay tuned for June. And it is here. We finally went to Bell Witch. We literally just did this like two days ago as of right now. And it was so much fun. And it was just so cool to be there with Amanda, IRL, and also other friends and my mom and my stepdad and my brother and his girlfriend who is obsessed with spooky stuff. She's like our third Shook sister, pretty much, which I'll have some great tea, uh, great additional tea about Candace later on. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Relating to the, to the Bell Witch. We love Candace. We stand. But yeah, it was really fun, and it was a great birthday weekend, and I haven't even actually had my actual birthday yet. It's like we've already celebrated my birthday, but my actual birthday is tomorrow, so that's my other my actual fun fact, I guess. In addition to piggybacking off of Amanda's fun fact. Yeah, Gemini season, what, what? Yeah, so you've already been celebrated, but we're going to keep the celebrations coming because your birthday is tomorrow on Tuesday. So here we go, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so the format today is going to be different. Like I said, I think Santa might open us up with a summary of the Bell Witch haunting and then... I'll go through and kind of interject where needed. I have a couple of documentaries and things that I watch, some podcasts that I listen to, and we can just kind of piggyback off each other with that. And then at the end, we can tell everybody what we experienced at the Bell Witch Cave. Okay, so I'm going to start us off with the overview, like Amanda said, and we'll just see what happens. (laughs) So, the Bell Witch Cave haunting is a notorious paranormal case that took place in Adams, Tennessee during the early 19th century. The story revolves around the Bell family, particularly the father, John Bell, and his daughter, Betsy, who claimed to have been tormented by an unseen entity known as the Bell Witch and is known to be perhaps the most widely documented haunting in American history. The haunting is said to have begun in 1817 when strange phenomena began to occur on the Bell family's farm. The disturbances started with unexplained noises such as knocking sounds and scratching on the walls, followed by the physical assault of family members, particularly Betsy, who was reportedly tormented, slapped, and pinched by an unseen force that some say is a witch or a woman named Kate Batts. Others say it could be the land itself that is cursed and caused these disturbances. Whatever you choose to believe is the source of this family's haunting, over time, the entity's presence became more malevolent, often speaking in a disembodied voice, interacting with family members, and displaying an uncanny knowledge of personal information. The Bell Witch's activities attracted widespread attention, and news of the haunting spread throughout the community. 
Visitors from near and far flocked to witness the phenomenon firsthand. The entity was said to be capable of holding conversations, reciting Bible verses, singing hymns, and engaging in philosophical discussions. It displayed an intimate knowledge of various languages, history, and distant events. Notable individuals, including future U.S. President Andrew Jackson, became intrigued by the Bell Witch and attempted to unravel the mystery. According to accounts, Jackson's visit to the Bell family farm was met with hostility from the entity, warning him against meddling in its affairs and promising to visit him later. Jackson is said to have fled in fear, refusing to ever discuss the encounter again. You could say he was shook. <laughs> the Bell Witch haunting continued for several years, persistently tormenting the Bell family. However, in 1820, John Bell, the primary target of the entity, passed away under mysterious circumstances. Following his death, the activity gradually diminished and eventually ceased altogether, marking what may be the end of the haunting. However, there is a theory that the firstborn sons of John Bell's descendants are cursed to meet a tragic end. The Bellwitch Cave, located on the former Bell family property, has become a popular tourist destination, with many visitors hoping to catch a glimpse of the infamous spirit. The legend of the Bellwitch continues to captivate the imagination of people interested in the paranormal, making it one of the most enduring and well-known ghost stories in American folklore. So yeah, tea. Yeah, so that story is really crazy. The thing about the the disembodied voices is the thing that just like confuses me the most about the whole thing mm -hmm. because they were having full conversations in broad daylight with this spirit. Yeah. And the spirit was revealing so many things like no one else could have really known. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it didn't make sense. I just found that weird. And also the people that the spirit chose to target is kind of random to me. I don't think that targeting John Bell is that random. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I do think that targeting Betsy and target targeting um, the young guy that she was considering marrying like that's super random to me. Yeah. Like Pretty the fact random. that she wanted her to end up with the older guy. <laughs> like Right. What? Right. So I guess just to put this into perspective, you guys are probably thinking, who the heck is Kate Batts? Well, I'm going to tell you who Kate Batts was. So yeah. yeah uh, first and foremost, before I even touch on Kate, the Bell family, they hailed from North Carolina. So they were newcomers to Adams, Tennessee, which today, if I'm not mistaken, has a population of under 700 people. So you would think that it's like America's little known secret. But no, people be flocking there every single day to come see this Bellwitch Cave because it is the most documented haunting in history and it has been spread far and wide. There are several different rabbit holes you can choose to go down or not go down. And we probably could make this episode a good solid five, six hours, but we're not going to do that. Instead, I'm just going <laughs> to say what I can and Santa's going to say what she can. And then maybe we'll figure out what we think or believe at the very end. As of right now, it's still TBD. But this Kate Batts character, so she shared farmland with the Bell family. And her husband apparently 
had a farming accident that caused him to become paralyzed or otherwise disabled to be able to run the farm. So to me, Kate did the smart thing. She tried to sell off part of her farm so that she could make ends meet and support her family and her chickens and her cows and what have you. And to me, that's giving independent woman behavior. She don't need no man. I'm just kidding. It's really sad that her husband got hurt like that, but she really did grab the bull by the horns and say, I'm going to do what I need to do. So she tried to sell this farmland, a section of it, to the Bell family. And John Bell completely lowballed her allegedly. He was like, I'll buy it from you, but it's going to have to be pennies on the dollar. You feel me? And maybe she was desperate and accepted it. To me, that whole part's unclear, but there was a dispute. There was a dispute about the land. And speaking of which, this land, both of their land and land surrounding it is Native American burial grounds, which we'll touch on later also. But Kate Batts was known for being a little bit out there for the time period. She was a little bit uh, eccentric, you could say, and she was very outspoken And heaven forbid a woman have a voice in the 1800s or now, it's fine. And so one of the common criticisms of this whole story is, as it progresses, why didn't John or any of the other Bells seek help for this? And I actually read an article from AP News, and it had a wonderful point, and I'm just going to quote it. This man named Fitzhugh, who is featured in a couple of these documentaries that we watched, he says, would you call for help? Not if you were an elder of the Red River Baptist Church, only 125 years after the Salem witch trials and the buckle of the Bible belt. T. I don't think I would have spoken up either if I thought that I was being harassed. No, I wouldn't have called a preacher and said, help, because that probably would be like, okay, you're trouble. You got to get out of town. So despite the fact that they didn't actually ask a preacher or anything for help, everybody soon found out about what was going on. Because like I said, it was a small town, still is. Word travels fast. And so it all started with John and Betsy Bell being the primary targets of this haunting. John was the primary target because whatever this entity was, whether you think it was Kate Bat's the land itself, the devil himself, whatever you think it was, did not like John at all. And from what I've read, John didn't seem like he was the nicest person in general, but that's objection hearsay. So we're going to leave it at that. But not only did the spirit attack John, it also went after his daughter, Betsy, who was at this time a preteen going into her teenage years. And this haunting, I think, was like four years long. And as we know... Poltergeist activity tends to kind of wreak havoc in the preteen and teen years um, in a lot of different cases. And it's kind of just been speculated over the years that maybe it was just that, a poltergeist or a demon or something. Well, first and foremost, before there was even a physical attack, they were hearing knocks and rattles and scratching. And they thought, okay, do we have like an animal infestation? Like what's going on? They couldn't figure it out. And then Betsy started getting pinched and slapped and punched. One day she had a black eye. This was witnessed by her brother, Drury, if I'm saying his name right. And it was well documented that she was a primary target aside from John. But Lucy Bell, John's wife, and 
his other children were left alone primarily. And this whole situation, it's honestly, it's giving favoritism because some members of this family were not being harassed at all. Some were quite like fond over, it seemed like. Yeah. Lucy. Yeah, Lucy especially. She was spared, basically. So eventually, um, things get a little bit out of hand. And this conflict that John had with Kate Batts came to a head and people started speculating that Kate Batts was a witch and that she was the one that was causing a ruckus in their home. And in fact, some people say that the voice the voices that eventually started being manif- like manifested in this house, people were saying that it, it even whispered, it's Kate. And so, you know, that's a whole big game of telephone. People here through the grapevine that it is this Kate Batts character and they cling to it. Meanwhile, other people have their own ideas about what it is. So that's where it gets kind of muddy and convoluted. But it was basically Gossip City. Everybody was talking about it. And fun fact... John Bell actually got excommunicated from the Red River Church. And Adams, Tennessee used to be known as Red River before it became Adams. And uh, on one of the podcasts that I listened to, I'm pretty sure they said the reason he got excommunicated from the church was because of his feud with Kate Batts. And she had sued him, but he didn't get notified in time that he was being summoned to court for it. And so he ended up losing a bunch of stuff. Like he got in trouble. I don't know. Could be objection hearsay, but that was one of the things I heard. And so things keep escalating. Eventually, John gets really, really, really sick. And he ultimately will die a very slow, drawn out, gnarly death. And people started to blame his death on the Bell Witch, whatever he, she, it may be. His family was actively seeking out medication for his ailments, and they could not find what he needed. And then one day, he was discovered in his bed, dead. And next to his body was a mysterious vial of this dark liquid, and nobody knew where it came from. It just manifested out of nowhere. So that was one of the first mysteries of this entire case that kind of had everybody bamboozled. And um, remind me, Santa, later to tell you what they believe it was after the fact but okay i'll circle back to that black liquid so he dies and i guess the bell witch kind of goes away for a little while and then she comes back i believe it was betsy betsy bell who got engaged to some guy that kate didn't or the bell witch didn't agree with and she warned Hey, if you marry this guy, I will literally never give you another days of rest. You will be tormented for the rest of your life. So she broke off the engagement, ending up marrying somebody else. And hey, honey, uh-huh. apparently she also slick told the older guy, her school teacher, because the guy that she ended up like, I guess, I don't know if they actually got married, but the guy that was courting her okay there were two guys courting her there was the younger guy that was more age appropriate and then there was the older guy that was like in his 30s that was her school teacher Mm -hmm. apparently apparently the witch or the spirit also spoke to him and was like hey i want you to win betsy i don't want her to be with that other piece of shit (laughs) and 
told him all the tools he needed to succeed to like beat the other guy. It was that like is crazy. Weird. She was meddling. Definitely meddling in these affairs. And with the older dude, mm-hmm. it's giving don't stand so close to me. It's uh, giving. Yeah. Why don't you get fired from your teaching job? Seriously. It's but giving then you'll in- never work in this town again. <laughs> right. But like back <laughs> then, I guess kids, kids these days. Back then, kids these days are getting married as soon as they hit puberty. Like, literally, that's how it was. But still, that age gap is just, to me, no matter the time frame, the decade, whatever, that's so disgusting. But that's just yeah. my opinion. It won't do. It simply will not do. Um, but, yeah, and, and another thing, before John even died, there was some shit that happened. His son, Drury, and his pal were gallivanting around on the property and they started digging. They did some digging, Skinwalker Ranch style. And they were shocked to find an entire skeleton under the ground. And it turned out to be a Native American's remains. And not only did they open the ground to reveal this, but they were not only did they dig up the ground to reveal this, but they pulled the freaking skull off and then detached the jaw which is disgusting behavior i hate this it's disgusting it's so bad they desecrated the grave they took the jaw showed it off to oh pappy john saying hey look daddy look what i did and he's actually enraged surprisingly Mm -hmm. i I don't know why i'm surprised that he was enraged but he's like what in the fresh heck are you doing with this skeleton bone you can't be doing it and so i guess i don't know if drury was a teenager going through a phase whatever more on teenagers later, Santa knows what I'm about to say <laughs> mm-hmm. in this cave. Uh, but he gets mad, <laughs> has, has a little teenager temper tantrum, and throws the jaw down on the ground. And they say that a tooth may have come loose and that it had fallen in the cracks of the house, never to be fully recovered. I think he ends up taking the jaw back to be reburied or whatever. But in any case, disgusting <laughs> Damage is done. The damage is the done. The damage is fucking done. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's disrespectful done. little shit. <laughs> I can't get over this behavior. It's I honestly. Can't, I can't. Mm. Honestly, like, it's giving this family is tainted. <laughs> like, tainted in beliefs. Absolutely. They're dark-sided. They want to talk about somebody else being dark-sided. Y'all right. are out here being disrespectful as fuck. Yeah. And yeah why has it got to be a woman why does a woman have to take the blame for all of this that's a whole separate topic but why does it have to be blamed on kate bats because what you don't like her because she's a little bit different i guarantee if i as i am today had been brought up in 1800s america i would not have been liked at all like not at all because i'm a little bit weird and i'm okay with that but they wouldn't have been so i feel like they were slick trying to like Because you know how, like, humans throughout history, we've always been all about a witch hunt in some Mm -hmm. capacity, whether it's a real witch, witch hunt, or just having somebody to be, like, a scapegoat for something and then hanging somebody in the town square and everyone gathering and being like, you're bad and we're good. Yeah. There always has to be this, like, "Mm -hmm, I'm better. Morally, I'm better. And it's just this shitty thing like I just wonder if they were like 
Slick trying to make something like that happen here. It's interesting to me that Kate was singled out as being the person doing this, the person behind this, and even being called a witch, but she didn't... It doesn't seem like she got the kind, in the kind of trouble that women normally would get into. Right. Right. For those she was, kind of claims. She was spared. Yeah, she, she was really, spared. That's giving, that's giving uh, witchcraft right there. She ev- evaded. I mean, it, it's definitely like a long time after the Salem witch trials when this happened, but still. Yeah, definitely. She was um, actually blessed with, I think... 25 to 27 more years on this earth she she's her past john bell's life for sure as she should as she should yes and oh fun fact i knew this was going to be all over the place but one of the things that they did not mention on the tour that i asked about was this very thing that allegedly happened so before the haunting even got really crazy with the knocking and the slapping and the whispering throughout the house, the all-seeing eye bullshit. The first indicator that something funny was going on was John Bell was out on his farm. His farm that, by the way, let's be honest, it was run by slaves because of mm-hmm. the time period. That likes to be and so was Kate. Right. But John, as he's out here on his farm, he notices... We're just going to say it's a cryptid. We don't know what it is, but he described it as having the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. Again with the rabbit. Okay. Rabbit is going to be our new mascot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So many rabbits. Um, But yeah, so with all of that in mind, this whole story, it splinters in so many different directions. And again, we could talk about this forever, but instead, at least for the beef of what I'm going to say here, I pretty much wrote a play-by-play of this really interesting documentary <laughs> that was produced by A&E that came out in 2015 <laughs> titled Cursed the Bell Witch. I watched, I think, the first two episodes or one and a half episodes. So I know like some of this beginning tea, but the rest, I'm like, I'm dying to know what actually else happened because it was kind of a show for me. (laughs) A little bit. And Santa, I'm going to make your whole day. Okay. Because I should mention up front (laughs) that the star, the subject, if you will, of this documentary series is an actor. Who has been in the following films, Terminator Genesis, 2015, The Card Counter, 2021, of course, Cursed, The Bell Witch, 2015, my favorite on the list, Shark Lake, 2015, sounds like a movie I need to watch late at night when I'm having fun time with Connolly. <laughs> and it's giving Shark Exorcist. <laughs> shark Exorcist. If you haven't seen it, please go watch Shark Exorcist. And Gerald's Game. 2017 he was in gerald's game he appeared and i don't know he may have been an extra in all of these films but i just had to look him up and the reason i looked him up and before i say who he is the reason i looked him up in the first place is because i couldn't pronounce his name because it's it's an irish surname and although i've got irish blood i don't know how to say all of the different accents and everything but he himself is a descendant of john bell and ironically enough 
the star of this documentary. He's also named John. His name is John. It's spelled C-E-A-L-L-A-C-H. I'm just going to call him John the rest of the time that we're doing this. But the reason he made this documentary is because he is a descendant of the Bell family, specifically from Betsy Bell's side. So John's daughter, which is why his last name's not the same. And what he does is he goes to Adams, Tennessee, comes up from his hometown in Mississippi to try to figure out, is there a curse exceeding beyond what happened in the 1800s? Because allegedly all of the firstborn sons on the Bell side have died tragic, mysterious deaths. And we will get back to that. But for now, I'm just going to give you the play-by-play of what happens in this documentary, which is a four-part series that you can find on Discovery+. Plus. If you're ready, Santa, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. As I said, descendant of John Bell, ironically named John himself, is actively trying to figure out if Kate Batts was at fault for the curse that has been bestowed upon the men in his family. The reason that he has a vested interest in this is not because necessarily that he's the firstborn son, but his son is the first and only born son of his own. So he's looking out for Chris, who at the time of this film is, I think, 14. So he's, oh God, he's in his 20s now. Um, and hopefully he's doing okay after all of this. John, he is investigating with his friend named Chad, and we love Chad. Finally, a Chad <laughs> we can stand. <laughs> we stand, Chad, honestly. He was he's a just a good old boy. He's That's a good right. old boy. And what did you think about his dog Newton? Such a cutie. I loved his dog too. I love I love Chad and his dog Newton. Newton was so cute. Make him a fig, Newton. He helped out a lot, that dog did, with the investigation. He did. So uh, John asks his friend Chad to accompany him up to at Adams, Tennessee, and he brings his dog. They end up spending a night in this cabin. Actually, they spend several nights in this cabin. And along the way, they capture a lot of weird stuff. Again, you can believe it or you cannot believe it because, again, John is an actor. He's mm. an actor. He's a thespian. So the theater. The theater. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, so basically, he shows up to Adam Tennessee. He is interviewing all the folks, and turns out John's a former cop and former military. And his friend Chad brings Newton, who is a PTSD support animal, and we're we're here for it because Newton really did save the day a couple of times as you'll learn. So they're in this cabin in Adams, Tennessee. It's basically in a clearing pretty close to where the original bell family cabin was located. And if you go on the tour, the cabin you see is a replica of what it looked like. It's not on the site of the actual bell witch homestead. That's now a clearing for the most part while they're staying at this cabin, a bunch of creepy stuff happens when they arrive at first, this crazy dude, you'll remember this part, Santa, this crazy dude just rolls up on a, a four-wheeler and he's like, what are you doing here? Get oot. Get oot. <laughs> he said something about, like, these bullets will go right through you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like Will Ferrell and Anchorman. He was like, 
do you know who I am? I'm a descendant of John Bell. And he's <laughs> and like, oh. I was like, oh, shit. God. <laughs> it was not staged at all. <laughs> oh, shit. At all. Pardon me. <laughs> Ooh. And then like. <laughs> yeah. And I'm totally joking. He was not being like, do you know who I am? But he was giving an air of feigned innocence like oh i didn't know i was trespassing you didn't know you were trespassing hello (laughs) i thought i had every right to be here right like i own this place my kin (laughs) my kin that's so funny so uh, (laughs) the guy on the four-wheeler eventually obliges i guess he's the owner or the land keeper whatever not important he ends up getting rights to use this cabin and they stay there there's cameras everywhere and they often show it on the screen and the four quadrants to monitor what's going on in the area and he and chad spend a lot of time outside they collect a lot of evidence there's one part in the documentary where they hear branches cracking like pretty hard big branches cracking in the woods and they think it's ultimately a bear but of course they took it to the supernatural right away and that's because they go into the woods and they find this i don't even know what you what you would call it it's giving blair witch project hexing cross situation yeah it's literally like one of those it's like a doll it's like a doll made of twigs and it is very much giving Blair Witch like because it was hanging in the trees in Blair Witch Mm -hmm. and I don't know what um practice that's actually associated with but it's it's like scary imagery but we don't really know right because it's a dramatized it's giving dramatized documentary where you have to decide if it's fact or fiction, mm-hmm. fact or fic. And to me, I just feel like that was way too convenient of a find. That's that's just my opinion. I think that may have been staged, but who knows? Who am they I blamed say? it on the they blamed it on being teenagers in the town that wanted to fuck with them. Yes, they did yeah. mention that. They said that it could have been a setup from these kids, these badass them kids. kids. <laughs> Yeah, them badass kids. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so while they are out here and they hear the branches cracking, John's friend Chad, he's freaking out because he wants answers. And that's when they find this whole hex thing and they freak out about it. Shortly after this whole incident, they decide that they want to go up to Springfield, Tennessee, which isn't too far from Adams, to meet another direct descendant of John Bell. Uh, The descendant they meet is named Bob Bell, and he's like the fifth or sixth great-grandson of John Bell. Um, So that would make them distant cousins. John, the documentary guy, and Bob are cousins. And they interview him about his experiences growing up and throughout his life at the funeral home where he works. Bob owns a funeral home up there, and... He's talking to him about everything, and then Bob goes, oh, by the way, I have the family Bible from the 1800s, from 1820 to be exact, which happens to be the year that John passed away. I believe it was December 20th, 1820. And I think I write this later in my write-up, but just in case I didn't, apparently inside of the Bible, there was some sort of diary entry that one of the sons or somebody had written talking about 
what had happened and it was like handwritten like very fancy cursive this bible i'm telling you, you when they tell you it's from the 1800s believe it because it is tattered and battered and scattered and covered and waffle house smothered and covered S- smothered and covered <laughs> it's scattered smothered mm-hmm. and covered with remnants of the past okay debris so, debris <laughs> i always thought it was funny that debris was spelled like debris Okay, so I'm not sure if Bob's grandmother possessed this Bible or if it was his dad's, but he goes on to explain that one of the first strange things that happened on his side of the family occurred when he was just seven years old. We're talking about Bob here. So what happened was his grandmother was taking a nap when suddenly she was jarred awake by this loud crashing noise. She freaks out. She hops out of the bed. She goes downstairs. And what does she see? Well, they come to help her. And all together, they look on the floor. And it's all of her china from her china cabinet. Her china cabinet is open. And here's the tea, hunty. The china was not broken. But it was neatly stacked. That's poltergeist Convenient. Behavior. Convenient. Okay. That's, that's, okay. Fair. Sorry, but that's convenient. I'm like, so scary convenient, if you ask me. Yeah, no, it seems can go pretty way. staged because I think if it was broken, I would be like, okay, they didn't want to break her stuff to to do a scary scene. So they that's were like, we'll just good point. We'll just take it and set it up and it'll still be like something happened. This way Sorry, you don't lose but... this way you don't lose any value and you can still sell them on eBay if you need to in the future if you get in a tight spot. I'm not buying a damn thing that happened in this documentary. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, so after <laughs> after Bob tells John this story, Bob pulls out that family Bible. And although it was tattered and scattered and smothered and covered, it was literally in a bag inside of a box. It had been protected. And John's like, I don't remember if he asks politely or if he's just like, you know what? I'm going to take this. But he takes the Bible. He takes the Holy Bible home with him. And when he and Chad get home to their cabin for the night, all of the security cameras are shown in the four quadrants on the screen. And suddenly you hear this weird sound coming from outside. It sounds like a crack and a rattle. It's just lots of scratching and really loud noises from every viewpoint of this camera. And I should note that during this whole thing, there are orbs everywhere, orbs or bugs, but there are orbs everywhere flying around this property. And, oh my God, Santa. So John and his friends start barging through the house with a gun because they're like, what's going on? John's like, I need a gun. (laughs) That TikTok audio. I love that TikTok audio. I need a gun. And so they race outside with their guns pointed out like, I'll shoot. And the dog is freaking out too, obviously. Poor Fig Newton. I can't. Bless that dog. Mm. Um. So they get their flashlights out as well. They're aiming around wildly like Kazoo Kid. Where is it? Where is the sound coming from? And they start reviewing the footage and suddenly there's this white apparition looking mist that's passing by the car. It really does look like it could just be a patch of fog, but who knows? Fog well, machine. Fo- it's, it's I'm such giving, a hater. I am such a hater. I'm sorry. It's giving spirit Halloween. It's giving Party City. (laughs) So what's crazy is after this whole mist situation, Fog Machine, Spirit Halloween, one of the descendants, and I'm so sorry I didn't write the name down, a descendant of the Queen Baddie, Lorraine Warren herself, 
they come to help figure out what's going on and John brings the family Bible. And so they're all sitting together and while they're sitting and hanging out, they start hearing these creaking noises around the room. And all of a sudden behind John, his cork board falls off like this. Like one of the, one of the hinges comes loose and it swings like this and drops to the floor. And on this cork board, he's basically, okay. So he's a cop, former cop. So he's treating this like a crime scene investigation. It's giving investigation Mm -hmm. discovery. It says suspect list. Mm -hmm. He literally writes down all the suspects who murdered my (laughs) distant relative was it betsy was it kate like literally betsy his own daughter comes into question the what and the motive and all yeah so he's got it all listed out on this cork board and it just falls off of the wall again convenient but then again gravity's a real jerk so who knows later that evening after this cork board falls onto the ground They are hanging out that evening. They go back to investigate around the woods and they bring along a paranormal investigator. So while they're out there, they hear a lot of cracking sounds in the woods. Again, it's giving bear or coyote and these branches are just snapping all over. But what's weird is the camera is not cooperating. It keeps glitching out and multiple people throughout this documentary and even in ghost ventures which i will also touch on everybody says our tour guide included everybody says your camera might not work in here if you try it don't expect good quality footage it was doing this crackly grainy stuff like you would see in a found footage film that's what it was doing it was given corrupt i need to review my footage tbh because i was shooting footage when i was recording that you're not supposed to you took well, video? She said she said that we could. She said oh. that we could. Uh whenever we were doing the moment of silence, she was like, You can this is the one time that you can use video to record the sound. Oh so, dang. I just voice memoed it and honestly I'm gonna go through it and see if I picked up anything. Yeah. But we'll talk about those stupid kids in a second. Kicking them rocks. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. You should see if it if it picked up anything. That's really that's interesting. I wish I had put my video on now. Um, so they're out here in the wilderness. They approach John Bell's grave, which is covered in weeds. And what do you like to say about weeds, Santa? I'm in the weeds. Yeah. (laughs) So if you have been in the service industry, you get it. So they pull out some ghost equipment and one of the devices that they pull out automatically reads 66.6. It's giving demonic, or mm-hmm. maybe he's born with it. I don't know. That's it's really on the nose. Really on the nose. Like, if it was 66.7, then maybe I'd be like, ooh, that's, like, danger zone, auto zone. But, no, it was 666. So that's a little bit interesting. Um, so the EMF detector starts lighting up all over the place when they put it on his grave. And while they are talking to John Bell's grave, they take one of those, um, what's it called, Santa? A, a pendulum or a scry? It's basically like a little yeah. crystal thing. And it circles around when the answer is yes, kind of sitch. And so John, I think, is the one that's holding it. And the pendulum swings, indicating yes. Um, when he asks if John shot another man named John for talking about his daughter. So back to John's story when he was alive, there was a rumor that one of the locals was talking about hitting on his daughter 
and he played the role of most protective dad of the year and he shot the guy in the stomach and he died so allegedly john bell might be a murderer or would it be manslaughter i I don't know i don't know the rules i'm not a so many people named john there's lots of john so john bell most of the time when i say john i'm talking about the John who's the subject of this mm-hmm. documentary. John Bell is what I'll say when I'm referencing the old school John. So John Bell's grave, pendulum swing. It says yes when they ask it if John Bell had shot another man. Yeah, there's Johns all over the place. It's giving dirty John times 10. Yeah, John Gardner, the the young suitor of Betsy too. Seriously, what I guess that fuck? was just a really popular name back in the day. And here's the tea, hunty. After they ask John Bell's spirit if he did this, if he shot the other man named John, John 3.0, because of what he said about his daughter, it keeps circling yes. And then guess what happens? Their car alarm goes off. Unprovoked. Oh, no. But it's giving teenage tomfoolery, if you ask me. <laughs> so... The car alarm's going off. Could have been a prankster, but in any case, it scares the crap out of them, and so they get in the truck, they say bye, and they go to review the footage they captured in the forest, and you just keep seeing throughout this footage an apparition of a misty white type thing, and again, it's giving fog machine, but I don't know. When I'm watching this back, I also see what looks like a black mass, and I don't know if they call attention to it or not. I don't remember. But you see a white mist, and then you see what looks like a narrow, like, white figure kind of moving around. I don't know. I also have to wear contact lenses, and I need to change them, as you know. So who knows what I saw? Uh, You really can't trust anything I say about what I saw. Ain't no telling. Ain't no telling. So, yeah, it's hard to say. Hard to say. You decide. (laughs) You decide. (laughs) The uncertainty of it all. Honestly, did the is the Bell Witch Cave even there? You decide. (laughs) (laughs) Is this all a dream? I don't know. It's it could be a fever dream. All of this. I'm telling you, y'all. I did a play by play of this thing, and I apologize if this is super long and rambly. But there's four episodes, and they were each about an hour long. And I didn't know what to expect. I was like, what's going to be the actual tea of this? So I just kept yeah. voice texting myself what was happening as the it payoff. So, yeah, where is the payoff? So, okay, speaking of payoff, remember I mentioned the mysterious black liquid vial that was found next to John when he died? Yeah, circle back to that. Circle back to that. So <laughs> they say that after they found him dead in the bed, They took one of the brothers, one of his sons, took a drop of the medicine and put it on the cat's tongue. The cat literally like backflipped midair, like convulsed and died nearly instantly. And then they threw the remaining vial into the fire where the fireplace turned bright blue. And here's where we get some answers, hunty. They do their digging. They do their research. They take their asses up to Austin P University to talk to Dr. Megan Mann about what could have been the toxic substance that killed John Bell. So she is very patient with them. It's funny. At first, she's kind of... (laughs) At first, she's kind of like, what are you doing here? (laughs) I'm just kidding. With all these cameras. (laughs) She's like... 
really what she says, I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, okay, so what exactly is your question about this case? Like, wh- how can I help? How can I help you? It's it's giving annoyance, but I don't know. Maybe what do not. you need? What do you need? <laughs> and it goes from that stark contrast of what do you want to why yes like it's very abrupt so she she goes on to explain after they tell her why they're there about the whole cat flipping out and the blue flame she's like oh let me bill and i the science guy this situation for you and tell you exactly what's what roy the roy g bib of it all <laughs> i'll say that again the roy g bib of it all so she says copper for example and she has like a little sample stick yeah she didn't know why they were there but then she pulls up the sample sticks she had ready to go it's fine mm-hmm. dips them in the flame copper turns a, a greenish blue color of course when you think of copper you think of green um surprisingly yeah. to me potassium which is found in bananas and sweet potatoes and all the things that turns a violet color um jesse we have to cook it's basic chemistry um and guess what turns bright blue Meth. <laughs> I wish. I kind of was hoping you would say that, but no. Arsenic. Oh my god. And arsenic is, or was rather, used very commonly to kill these vermin in these streets. It was a rat poison. And later on, as the world advanced, they figured out that arsenic might not be the best bet because it will literally kill a full human. It's extremely deadly. Like it don't yeah. it don't take much. And this is coming from someone who probably got a C plus in every math class she ever took. So uh look at me now. Spitting these. Oh my facts. gosh, Hunty. <laughs> what if what if Lucy this is like so random. I'm just like wildly speculating. What if Lucy since she was so like favored by the ghost, what if she was like slowly, very gradually poisoning him? Like very, very slowly, very. But then also like fucking with Betsy so that like no one would suspect her. This is something I can't really keep in the podcast because this is so speculative. But like what if he was like abusive and shitty and like, you know, she married him when she was like fucking 12 years old and like. She had a lot of his kids. Like she put pushed out a lot of kids and there ain't no telling what all she had to go through. Like what if this all was a construct of Lucy? Listen, it's I'm so happy you said that and I don't know, you can keep it in if you want. Um the speculation the arsenic of it all, is giving. It's giving. It's giving. This story is really giving the Fox sisters, but this predates the Fox sisters by like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like, they really didn't have any frame of reference for how to put on a show like this. If it was a show. And there was, there were so many people involved though, that I feel like, like a lot of people will say conspiracy theorists are crazy because there's no way that many people can keep a secret about things, which I kind of go back and forth on that whole thing. But this is a small town and everybody's already inundated with all of these opinions and mm-hmm. facts about what's happening. So honestly, who's to say? I don't think we're ever going to get a resolution to this story. I'm just going to say it right now. Spoiler alert. I don't know. I don't I don't know how I feel about yeah. all of this. It's this whole thing is just so much. Um, 
But then Dr. Megan Mann reveals that bright blue equals arsenic. As they're leaving, they get a call from Bob Bell. Oh my God, this is tea. So they get a call from Bob Bell. His co- he calls his cousin up and he says, hey, cuz, let me tell you a little something. He said his receptionist, who's super sensitive, the one that works for him at the funeral home, he called to let him know that his receptionist saw what looked like the spirit of a dark-haired little girl following John, the film, the, the documentarian guy of this, as he's in the funeral home. So does he have a small girl spirit attached to him? More on that at 11. Not sure. Might not ever find out. So ultimately... John and Chad and Newton, the dog, they decide that they're going to leave Tennessee and head back to where John lives in Mississippi. He lives off the coast down there, so it was quite a drive. And so while they're on the road, something happens. John, who is pretty sleep deprived, he spaces out and he nods off and he suddenly veers off the road and Chad's like, whoa, he makes him stop and he just, he's he's done for he hasn't been sleeping that tent let's let's face it the tent that they were in when they slept (laughs) in the field was not a fancy five-star hilton hotel or something it was literally dirt and grass and rocks so it's fine he almost crashes the car and kills both of them and then they pan like nothing happened scene john takes son to hibachi (laughs) they're down in mississippi (laughs) And cut. Cut to hibachi. Okay, yep. Let's get the egg roll. Yeah. Let's get the (laughs) egg roll. Egg roll. They always make the same joke and you have to laugh because you've never heard that before, ever. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Prom night. Um, (laughs) Anybody else go to hibachi for prom night? I'm pretty sure I did. No. Um, I went to Waffle House. Oh, even better. Honestly, goals. So, John and his son, Chris are at hibachi and it's so sad because his son's like do you have to leave again and he's like yeah i'm afraid i do so he just came in for a little pit stop came for a little yum yum sauce and then he was like i gotta go back to adams tennessee to finish this story and i'm so glad you didn't finish it because you're gonna have a genuine reaction to how this thing ends oh so he tells his son hey i'm sorry Uh, I hope you enjoyed your meal, but daddy's got to go. After hibachi, after he eats with his son, he goes to meet with his friends at the bar. They're just having bro time, talking about what's going on. And he says, oh, yeah, so I'm working on this thing because my family's cursed. And they're like, what? And so he explains that a lot of the firstborn men in the Bell family died tragic deaths, which I mentioned. This is how some of them died. One of them was killed in a horrific logging accident. So they did not go into detail. They did show some shocking imagery of how he may have been killed. But trees, no matter the size, are heavier than you think. And if you are not prepared with the right tools and the right safety material, and you are doing something as dangerous as cutting down trees, you could wind up in a world of hurt or a world of death. And that's what happened to one of his ancestors what i imagined happened is that a tree fell on him but they said the the site was so gruesome that they could not talk about it it was bad it was real bad 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 oh my god i hate it um and then another one another one of his ancestors died by suicide he was found hanging in a barn 
which is just an awful sight to see. And then another one went out west and died suddenly of a heart attack, completely alone in the desert. And as far as I could tell from the way they framed that is he had no known pre-existing conditions. He literally just dropped dead. But if you're going to the desert, that's another thing you got to be careful about. Heat stroke, rattlesnakes, you know, just got to be careful out there. Later, John and Chad go to the burial site in Mississippi that contains the remains of Betsy Bell. Like I said, he is related directly to Betsy Bell. His family, I guess a lot of them, moved down to Mississippi, and he found himself on the coast, and Betsy, I think, is a little bit up from the coast, if I'm not mistaken, but they're hanging out at the grave, and this woman comes up, and they're talking about it, and I don't know if she's like the the groundskeeper or what, and I'm so sorry I didn't catch her name, but they're at her grave, which now reads, I think her first name was actually Elizabeth, Elizabeth Betsy Bell yeah. Powell. She married a man named Powell. And so she's buried down there in Mississippi. They're talking about it. Um, even in her old age, we find out from this woman, this sweet woman, she says that even in Betsy's old age, this is so sad, she could only fall asleep if one of her children was laying right beside her and if she was facing if she was inside facing the wall. So she was that terrified of her childhood experiences getting tormented by this poltergeist or devil or spirit or whatever you want to call it that she in her old age of 80 something still couldn't go to sleep peacefully unless she had her child in the bed and what's even sadder santa she had i think nine children and only two of them were alive when she passed oh my god she only outlived two of her children which is so unimaginably sad to me and the fact that she held on to that trauma her whole life, it gives me literally no hope for the future with the stuff that I deal with on a daily basis. I'm like, am I going to be 90 years old and still stewing about, you know, miserable as fuck, certain things that have happened to me? <laughs> like, come on. It's, it's giving get over it already. I'm just kidding. I probably, no. I'll probably be in the same position if I'm being honest. But then they have this psychic medium come by and they're traipsing around the graveyard and... They're hanging out at Betsy's gravesite overnight. While they're investigating, they have their EMF detector, and the woman who guided them to the gravesite, she starts asking questions like, is the curse still going on today? And when she asks that question, the EMF lights up all the way, like it did when I was at the Sorrel Weed House. And then the psychic medium starts to smell perfume. Mind you, they're in the middle of the wilderness, and they smell perfume. That's so strange. And then freaking the dog newton starts going crazy he's barking and he's like what's going on i don't know if he smells the perfume or if he sees something but he is not living in his best moment right then he hates it and he is frantically barking so while the dog is barking john asks if the curse still follows his family and a flashlight that's on the grave turns on by itself later they go back to adams tennessee and they're at the original homestead of the Bell family, and they're just pushing through these weeds. And it was weird because they're pushing some sort of contraption. I don't know if uh, they're mowing as they go, but they leave behind a flat path. And these weeds are so, 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 so tall. And they see in the ground some remnants of things. Well, lo and behold, this is part of the burial site for the Native Americans. And they stumble upon some metal 
and later what looks like a foot bone. Like it may be a human foot bone. Yeah. Uh, here's some piping hot tea about that. John and Chad find their way back to Nashville where they meet with um, Pat Fitzhugh, who I've referenced um, prior to this. I think he's a historian of the Adams, Tennessee, or a historian of the Bell he's Witch. He's the Bell Roman. Witch historian. He, yeah, he's he's not the Sarah Winchester historian like Santa Parker, but he's the Bell Witch historian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they tell him what they discovered, and he's like, oop, I'm pretty sure you just pulled a bone from the burial site of these Native Americans. And allegedly... This is where he tells them about the jawbone. I've already mentioned it, so I'm going to skip past. But yeah, the jawbone, the tooth. And let's Wait, see. Wait, they brought the bone with them? Yeah, they're like, what is this? And he's like, oh, Fucking God. Idiots. Seriously, it's a bone. Idiot. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> right. So stupid. So like I mentioned, that tooth. That was on the jawbone when John Bell's kid threw it on the ground. I threw it on the ground. The tooth <laughs> went birth through the ground. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Happy birthday to the ground. Ground. That might, that might be the title. I don't know. So they talk about, you know, how the tooth went missing. And apparently, I don't remember if it was Pat. Um, Fitzhugh. Yeah. I, I don't know him. if it. Remember him. Fitzhugh. I think is the one that explains later on that the theory was all along that the entity was after getting the jawbone and the tooth back to where it needed to be. That was another theory about why there was a haunting that it may have been a native American, the one whose body was desecrated. Um, Mm -hmm. That's another theory. And other theories are that it could be just any of the natives that were, that were laid to rest there. Um, And inside the cave itself, and I'll probably touch on this again. Santa and I both saw it. There is a grave of what was a 12-year-old girl. Um, and her body had not only been desecrated, probably. It was taken from the gravesite, And that is so yes. disgusting. These grave robbers went in there and they took her remains. And that is so, yeah, so messed up. It's a huge no-no in case anybody doesn't have a brain cell. Um, so <laughs> don't be doing it. They also, like, insinuate during this whole thing, ooh, like, maybe you shouldn't have taken that foot bone. And you know what? I'm just kind of – I'm just going to zoom through the rest of this because this is the longest – There's, I'm not joking. There's 10 pages just from this documentary series. Basically, more shenanigans happen at the cabin. There are more – shadow figures and white mists and john the descendant who's doing the documentary he ends up entering what's kind of like a fugue state he's just walking around mindlessly or maybe he's acting i don't know i'm not Mm -hmm. i didn't direct it i don't know and he's just kind of losing it this whole time and they keep having all of these other sounds and things and eventually another crazy thing that happens is they talk to a shaman And the shaman says the only way that you can get rid of your family curse and make sure that your son doesn't get tragically killed is you have to apologize and you have to do it in a ritualistic way. So basically what he ends up doing is building this burning. He he even describes it as looking like burning man. It's like a nine foot tall wooden structure and he has to light it on fire and give his 
apologies and asks for forgiveness to all the spirits he may have harmed or his family may have harmed in the past. And after that, nothing changes. There's still shadow figures. He's still having an uh-oh feeling. And so ultimately he goes to this pastor, Pastor James. He goes to Pastor James. John and Bob, they go into the cave with Pastor James and he prays over them. He puts a cross over John's head and heart and he performs a blessing. He says, he ends pretty much by saying, by the blood of Jesus, I break the curse. And he asks both of them to repeat the curse. Because like I said, it's John and Bob. So both of the cousins of the descendants of the Bell family. They are there with Pastor John. He blesses them. He tells them to do a gesture with their fist or something and open to signify the release of this curse. And the reason I'm not sure if it's legit is because John is like standing there and he's just like, after everything is all done. And the pastor's like, well, how do you feel? He was like, I feel like it's over. <laughs> like, I feel like the curse is over. Like, oh, really? It's it's that easy. So, yeah, <laughs> it's that easy. So that's that documentary. And if you want to watch it, it's on Discovery Plus. Have fun with that. And the only other documentary that I watched, I will also breeze through, but it was Ghost Adventures and Fun Fact. Documentary. When- when we when we went to the Bellwitch cave and I'll let Santa like tell the story about our trip there to wrap it up but so I felt called by the spirits to ask Candy our tour guide shout out to Candy if she was there when the Ghost Adventures crew was there and I asked because I thought she looked kind of familiar well the answer is yes she was in it I don't know if she wanted to be but she's in it for like a hot second just a quick little second and she said that Zach, it's in, it's, it's filmed. It's, it's, it's public. He says, Candy's going to lock us in the cave. <laughs> and she mentioned that. And she was like, the cave doesn't have a lock on it. It's a cave. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty funny. But basically in Ghost Adventures, they are the, at the time, this came out, I want to say season 10, episode five. They were the very first Oof. paranormal investigation team that had television rights to go inside the cave and do their investigation. Now, what? I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about the documentary that John did. I mean, it was fine, but Ghost Adventures always has the best tea out of everything. Yeah. And so at the time, the crew is Zach, Aaron, Jay, and Billy. And they go in there, but before they go to the cave itself, they go to the home of William Porter. And William Porter is documented in several books that were written by family members to have been the one. He's the one that took a blanket and allegedly put it over the spirit and like latched onto her and tried to, or it, and tried to throw the spirit in the fire. And John Porter's house still stands to this day. Don't get it twisted. She's dilapidated. It's not cute. William Porter has a descendant who's named after him, William Porter Jr., I suppose. He wants to come along for the ride. So he ends up going to the cave with him later, which I'll get to. But they go to William Porter's house that's barely standing. And they have some really creepy experiences. They go up there and they catch... A bunch of creepy sounds and EVPs and there's a part where 
Aaron is asking the spirit box a question and the house shakes and they're all like, whoa, they describe it as a being a pulse. So the house just goes like, like a, like a surge of energy. And again, it's falling down. Um, it's not Linden Bridge, but it's falling down. And so that's really freaky. That's enough for them to want to get the heck out of Dodge. They take it to the cave and Zach asks William Porter Jr. Hey, do you want to, do you want to go in the cave first by yourself since you're a direct descendant of the man who tried to off the witch? And he's like, uh, hell yeah. So he goes in there and a bunch of crazy stuff happens there is they have i don't even know what they called them but they have these these beams inside that can light up and while he's in there they decide to do an experiment running what they call infrasound basically different sound frequencies into the stone of the cave the limestone of the cave to see if it disrupts any of the energy inside of it and while they're there unbeknownst to william porter there is a shimmer there's literally a light shimmer that comes out as they're making the sound. And after the shimmer, you see a black shadow figure move in the cave. Billy comes in there eventually and he gets all shaken up and he has to leave. He was like, I need a gun. And he leaves. <laughs> he leaves. He's like, I can't do this anymore. And he just feels really disoriented and just generally unwell. Also on Ghost Adventures, they ask the the owner of the property if she has ever seen a spirit. And this is, I think I'm going to end with this. I'm not going to end with this, but the last piece of evidence that really got me for this one was he asks, Zach asks the owner of the cave, hey, have you ever had a paranormal experience here? Like a true one. And she goes... I have like she hesitated to admit it because she was a totally a skeptic before she didn't believe in that stuff until she saw what she saw. She said she was hosting a tour and there was a family with her. They were the only people in the cave out of the corner of her eye. She notices movement. She looks over and there is a boy with straight, short black hair and a white shirt. And he has she says he has a darker skin complexion, so he may be native, but we don't know. She sees him walk into a portal and suddenly vanish. He literally is there and then he's not. He vanishes before her eyes. And to this day, she can't forget mm -hmm. it. It's all she can think about. And so that's kind of why when they do this infrasound thing that it gets really spooky because they don't really know what's going to happen if they're going to open this portal. But these beams that they put in there, they start lighting up pulsing kind of and i think that's the moment when billy freaks out and he's like oh my god what is this it's it's it's, it's going crazy and they get some evps inside the cave and one of the scariest sounds i've ever heard comes from the cave i believe it was william that was in the cave when this happened but there's a i'm, I'm gonna try to do it with my mouth you can cut it if it sounds terrible but you sound the sound you hear is like it sounds like a wild pig. Like, kind of gargly, demonic pig sound. I can't even replicate it, so you can just cut that out. But, like, scared the crap out of me when I heard that. Like, if I'm if I'm in a cave by myself and I hear an angry hog, absolutely not. I'm out of there faster than I can say bye. 
I will finish with this before Santa kicks off our personal experience at the K for her birthday and saying that on the tour, according to Ghost Adventures and our personal experience, they will tell you don't take rocks. And if you do, proceed at your own risk because if you take anything from the cave, anything from the sacred land, you will be screwed. I took some screenshots of the notes that were sent back to the Bellwitch Cave. People who took rocks home with them, one of them says, please return this rock to the cave. My daughter came home and started acting very strange and out of control. Another one said, my son Jordan took a rock from the cave. My son ended up getting very sick and he went to the ER. The final one that I have says, a beloved family member was incarcerated and another family member had his leg amputated. They all had agreed on one thing. Send the damn rock back. Yeah, don't do it. I actually know people who have done it. And one of my friends got their car struck by lightning from taking a pebble. And so that's the that's the story. Um, you can make of it what you want. Believe what you want to believe. And yeah, that's that's the Bell Witch Cave. Santa, yeah. what did you say earlier? Um, believe what you want to believe. What was it? You decide. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the Bell Witch Cave. And as I mentioned, we went there this weekend for Santa's birthday. So Santa, do you want to wrap it up with your main takeaways from the cave and maybe tell our listeners what your brother decided to do? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, so first of all, before I even forget, like... I don't know if you notice, but we're wearing Bell Witch t-shirts, official merchandise. Ever heard of it? And <laughs> Amanda bought this for me as a birthday gift. Yay. Um, so thank you, Amanda. That was like my first highlight um, of being You're welcome, there. Santa. Of course, we started out at the cabin, the recreation of the Bell family home. Um, and it's this big cabin. Honestly, that was interesting, but our tour guide was just like, yeah, she was sick and I guess was made to do that. And I hate that for her because yeah. it was, it was just giving that she was a good sport, but it was like very rushed. And so I was like, Whoa, I don't even know what she said. And then, um, we did get to go into this really cool room that had like all of the newspaper clippings of everything that's ever been reported about the bell, which haunting. And then it also had like a few different artifacts, I think from the home in there mm -hmm. and some of the books that have been written over the years. That was pretty cool. Um, there were some really creepy ass mannequin things in there that were supposed to represent the bell family and Amanda, while we were there, she said, it's giving tourist trap. Oh, and no. yeah, it was giving tourist trap. I don't know. There, so tourist trap is this horror film that came out, I think in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. It's kind of like house of wax ish, but yeah, I'm not going into details about that. Anyway, tourist trap. Um, so from there we go down to the cave and we meet Candy, who does want to be there. And she is such a baddie. We love her. She told us that we could take pictures all throughout the cave. We just couldn't take video footage. Um, and we said, yes, ma'am. When we entered the cave, we quickly realized that 
we all wore the wrong footwear for this um, because there's so many loose rocks mm-hmm. um, that you walk over and there's so much water. It's, it's just very wet and slippery. So you need to be wearing your shoes for cruise or hiking boots, something grippy um, for the cave. If you, if you want to go, don't wear vans like I did and don't wear sandals like Amanda did. Yeah. It was not giving. <laughs> and then Will you tell them what happened between you and that? Oh my girl? God. I almost forgot. Okay. So <laughs> y'all know this probably by now, but one thing about me is spiders are mm, my biggest or second biggest fear. Santa knows what the other one is. Um, I've just had a lot of trauma with spiders. And so I just, I just, I just simply don't do it. I, I can't. And I didn't think about that. I didn't, I didn't think about that when I said, let's go to the Bell Witch Cave. And so first and foremost, there's a crap ton of people with us. There's a, the group is like 30 or 40 people. It's a lot of people. And it was way more people than I ever would have desired. Right. It was was, too many. It was not as intimate as I would have liked, but it's fine. So we're going in. We enter at our own risk, as the sign says. Mm -hmm. And as we are entering the mouth of the cave, Candy warns us, hey, be careful. Watch your step. You can grab onto the sides of the rocks, but be careful because there might be spiders. And then people were pulling their flashlights out going, ew, a spider. And like, I looked up, but I did, my brain didn't compute where they were. Cause you know how they can mm-hmm. camouflage and the shadows of a cave. And I was like, oh God, no. I was like, I said to myself they were everywhere, everywhere. I said to myself, oh, I can't do spiders. I just, I can't do spiders. And this teenage girl standing in front of me. <laughs> turns around and says, well, maybe you shouldn't have come here then. Okay. I wanted to be mad, but then I remembered how awful it is to be a teenager and how bitchy I was at that age. And I gave Mm -hmm. her grace. I prayed to God. I said, Lord, give me grace, please. And he, and he bestowed upon me the grace that I needed to give. And yes, she did side eye us the whole time we were there. Yes, Lord. She mean mugged us the entire time. Oh, she did not want to be there. I know mommy and daddy dragged her out and she was like, I'd rather be making out with my boyfriend at the back of a Taco Bell parking lot. And then Santa, your brother, he did something. Do you want to tell him about it? Yeah. So my brother Chase is a little shit. And so as soon as he heard Candy say that she would advise against taking any of the rocks home, but she, she was like, you're welcome to take any of the rocks home you want, but I wouldn't. Chase was like, I'm taking some rocks. (laughs) One thing about Chase, he's taking some rocks. And so, and Candace too, she, <laughs> Candace was in cahoots with Chase to take some rocks home. And I was like, oh my God. Cause like Candace does believe in, you know, ghosts and stuff. Yeah. And, but she's like really, really into it. Like she wants to get haunted. And so I respect that. Um, yeah. So Candace was in cahoots with Chase to take the rocks and she ended up, I think just taking one in her purse. And then my brother picked up this like giant one and he was going to take it. And I was like, Chase, don't take that giant rock. Gosh. And then he just like threw it down towards the red river. And I was like, Oh my God. And then he said some fighting words back towards the cave. 
he like turned back towards the cave and he said, you ain't shit. And I was like, oh my God. And then I screamed towards the cave. I'm not affiliated with that. I was so upset when he said that. I was like, no. And I, I chastised yeah. him for taking a bit. Uh, I chastised him for taking a rock in the first place like you did. And all he did was say, well, well you guys were taking, you guys were standing up next to the, the grave site where that, that Native American girl was buried. That's worse. Mm-hmm. That's like number one no-no in paranormal. I'm like, I don't know about that because I went up there to pay my respects, not to throw trash in it like some people did. Yeah, there was definitely like just, I didn't see trash in there, but there was like a lot of like pennies and other coins and dollar bills and fake crystals from the gift shop. And I was Shame. like, that bothered me. Yeah. It, like, honestly, don't put anything in there. Don't put the money in there. That What's that for? And definitely like fake crystals. What are y'all doing? Don't even touch it. Like, don't even touch it. Like, people are dumb. Yeah, I don't think that we disrespected that gravesite. I think people that came before us definitely did by what was was inside of it. But I'm not worried about that. Chase was thinking about people that are, like, stomping around on, Mm -hmm. on top of the actual graves, like, where people are actively buried. And that's not what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you say about tea? Yeah, I have a little bit of tea from Candace because I told her, I was like, keep me updated on anything happens. Oh, my God. So yesterday she said, (laughs) she sent me a screenshot. Um, Her stepdaughter sent her a text. It was like, 1 49 a.m or something it looks like she said there was just a really big bang outside I'm scared yeah so she just like woke up in the night to like a really loud bang outside and then she said it sounded like two loud booms and it echoed like something was shot or someone hit something hard could be some rednecks we'll see what tonight brings (laughs) could be and that's That's what she said yesterday. And then um, I followed up with her today and I said, has anything else happened? And she said, no, we've both been grumpy, though. Her and Chase have been in grumpy moods. Mm. And then she said, I heard rocks moving last night when I was on the deck, but the dog stayed calm. So I figured it was just a little critter. But I've been on high alert. LOL. I'm kind of (laughs) disappointed. One thing about Candace, she wants to be haunted she wants she wants a full-blown haunting it seems like i don't blame you for saying i'm not affiliated with these people because i honestly was like i'm gonna i'm gonna die tonight like that's that's that the most important part of this whole story is that the bell witch case was investigated by the government and it was the as of now the only paranormal case that resulted allegedly in someone's death it's the only case where a death is blamed on a spirit so this case is pivotal whether you believe that it was kate bats or you know the devil himself or the spirits of native americans who really got screwed over believe what you want to believe yeah 
there's there's no telling what it is. Um, I know when we were at the cave, we were kind of talking to each other about how it could very easily also be a combo. Yes, a little pinball duality. on frenzy mode combo. Like, because it could very much be that Kate Bat's spirit still is there. It could be that she was like fucking with the family when she was alive in some way. Um, I was listening to the last podcast on the left, two parter mm-hmm. on the Bell Witch, and one of the things that they suggested was that, well, one of the things they mentioned was that it was speculated that Kate Batts was sending her slaves over there to do prank things. Oh my goodness. It's speculation that she was sending her slaves to prank. I didn't hear that in my sources. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause actually you just reminded me the bells had a slave named Dean and he would report that there was a black dog that would follow him and it would just, I guess disappear like the mm. shape shifting and stuff. That was, that was where it was giving context of other things that could have been going on. Yeah. Yeah. The shape shifting stuff feels very much like something in the realm of native American folklore mm-hmm. um, would have to be separate from whatever she was doing. But also you mentioned earlier in a text to me that Kate, bats has Cherokee ancestry yeah one of the sources claimed that Kate Batts's grandmother was 100% Cherokee which is what Santa and I have I a little that. bit of just a tiny bit but that yeah. given the given the region of the United States like I feel like mm-hmm. Tennessee and Georgia there's a lot of Cherokee blood so there's a lot of Cherokee descendants out here in these streets for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering, like, that could be the correlation. That could be the where it converges. Yeah, because who's to say two or more things were not going on simultaneously? Yeah. Maybe and there pranks, was too. Prank. Maybe there was pranks and mental illness and an unhinged neighbor who rightfully so was unhinged because of bad and behavior abuse. and abuse and demons and like who's to say it's not a plethora of things but you know Occam's razor so I you know what you decide I don't know it's up to you what do you think so yeah you definitely decide and also you if you can uh go check out the Bell Witch Cave in Adams Tennessee it's definitely worth checking out and honestly I'm trying to go back and float down the Red River they have this little thing called tanking it's this like giant it's literally like this giant tank that you can get in with your whole fam and go down the river but you can also just kayak but I want to go back there and at least kayak because that river looks fun mm-hmm. and it's it really right does. up on the cave right up right there yeah, from the mouth of the cave, if you look down, the waters are just whoosh, 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 Oh, it looks so fun. All over. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. have to go back there and go, do the Red River. Yeah. Tank simply, the river. You simply don't have a choice. You have to do it. Candy said we ought to, so we ought to. Yeah. What Candy Let's says goes. I just have to say I love Candy and I love Candace. 
Yeah. I love everybody who was on the trip. Everybody was so great. Your mom, Richard, um, uh, Chase, Candace, Joey, all of us. Like, we were just one big happy family. Yeah, I we were really it. living our best lives at the Bellwitch Cave and beyond. There is a porta potty. Just want to let you know there oh, is a yeah. place to use the restroom if you need to. It feels like you are in an oven in the middle of summer, yeah. and I recommend holding your breath when you go in there. But other than mm-hmm. that, it's a, it's a great time. Yeah, if you're going to go, like, try and maybe, like, use the restroom before you get there, like, if there's a gas station or something, go there first mm-hmm. if you don't like a porta potty <laughs> But, yeah. yeah, there's literally one single porta potty to rule them all. That's yeah. all you get. Yeah. But that's okay. It worked out fine. Yeah. Did. It was fine. Yeah. But I guess that's our show. Yeah. Because I got to go celebrate my birthday things because my actual birthday is tomorrow. And I'm about to have some house guests. Yay! I hope you have so, so much fun. Tell everyone I said hi, and especially give Danielle a hug for me if she comes because I did not get to see her this weekend and I was sad. Yes. Okay, so I gotta go uh, get ready to turn 33 Yay. Um, at midnight. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our patrons for helping us get to bell witch cave and if you want to hear more if you want to see us do more ghost trip stuff and have more episodes like this with firsthand accounts please join the patreon and if you can't join the patreon at least like and subscribe to the youtube channel follow us on instagram leave us a five-star review on apple and or spotify and mm-hmm. support however you can so that we can go on more ghost trips because that was fun and I want to go on more. And yeah, and speaking of patrons, I have to shout out my cousin Andy who wed my husband and I. He is now a Patreon member. So thank you, Andy. <gasps> Love you. Yes, Andy. Thank y'all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please uh, support and thank you for your support thus far. Anyway, I really got to go because I've got like my phone's getting blown up and yeah, got to go. Okay. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for tuning into Shook. New episodes of Shook drop every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Soon to be wherever you find your podcasts. Check out our show notes for more information on this week's episode, our social links, and more. Until next time, stay shook. Hey, do you have a personal paranormal encounter that you'd like to share with us? Visit our website, shookpodcast.com, to fill out our contact form. Or you can send us an email at shookparanormalpod at gmail.com.